Welcome to the Ordinary to Extraordinary podcast. I'm your host, Luca Rose. Three years ago, I made the change to move my life from ordinary to extraordinary, and it has been my life's work for the past three and a half years to do the same for others. I run an online multiple six-figure business. I'm a mama to a gorgeous little girl and an all-around enthusiast when it comes to squeezing the juices out of life. On this podcast, you'll find an amazing range of various topics and guest interviews who have made the change from ordinary to extraordinary. I intend to bring you stories, interviews, tools, resources, and more to move you from ordinary to extraordinary. Let's dive in. Thank you so much, beautiful Emma, for joining me today. How are you? Yes, thank you for having me. And I'm really well today, really well. Amazing. I think you are one of the very few of us uh, who are in lockdown at the moment. (laughs) So I'd be lying if I said I'm slightly not jealous. (laughs) Yeah. And you've had a beautiful morning, you said, into yoga this morning. And how's the rest of your day been? Yeah, good. I'm actually just preparing for a speaking gig I've got tomorrow. So I've just kind of been shaping that together and doing that. Went to the beach as well, had a little dip in the beach, which was really nice. So yeah, it's been nice and relaxing. (laughs) so why don't we just kick off with you just sharing a little bit I mean everyone heard the intro but I would love for you to just share a little bit about yourself what it is you do and just I guess a bit of your backstory because you know we we caught up last week and it was quite interesting to hear like how this all came about and unraveled for you so you can take it away and just let this go wherever it needs to Yeah, absolutely. So whenever I get asked that, I always think, where do I start? (laughs) Because there's so much. (laughs) Exactly. But I suppose to kick it off. um, So I'm a transformational coach and a psychic. So I work with clients one on one to really, um, you know, heal a lot of past trauma so they can move forward. I also do psychic readings just to give people that clarity, that direction, that inspiration, which is very needed right now. I think (laughs) a lot of people are searching for that clarity and that certainty in such, you know, turbulent times. And I also am a speaker. So I speak on all topics about spiritual awakening, authenticity and life's purpose. My journey is an interesting one because you know, with a lot of people that are coaches or in the personal development space, something, you know, really big and traumatic happened to them, which kind of switched them into this personal development and self-growth journey. So with me, I was actually born into a family um, that was very spiritual. So my dad and my granddad are energy healers and my mom's a psychic. So for as long as I can remember, I've been meditating, I've been um, into alternative health. um, I've also had very strong psychic abilities from when I was a child. So when I was younger, I could really read people's energy. I was having a lot of precognition. So seeing events before they happened and all of that fun stuff. When you were younger and that happened, how did it make you feel? Like, was that quite confusing? Very, (laughs) very. Yeah. So it's it's funny because even though my mum is psychic, she was never really taught how to like open and close her energy channels. So being so young, it was incredibly overwhelming. So I would walk into a room and I would actually, you know, see people and meet people and I would know who they're having arguments with, what's going on, what they need to be able to move, like just all of this information. It was just information overload. So I actually developed really bad social anxiety. And all throughout my school years, I would just felt so outcasted because 
no one else was playing with crystals and, you know, talking about manifestation and, you know, experiencing these psychic phenomena. So I really, really struggled. And I definitely put myself on the edge at high school. I was always kind of in a group, but a little bit on the outside, which came with a lot of problems. It came with a lot of problems. And this is why it's interesting what I do today, because when I was younger, all throughout my school years, I couldn't speak. It's like I was so nervous to speak my truth and to say how I was feeling or what I was thinking. So I spent most of my childhood and teenage years swallowing my thoughts, swallowing my feelings, swallowing my ideas. And this is why it's interesting now when I speak, because people are like, wow, you, you speak so eloquently or you, you communicate things well. And I've done a lot of work to be able to get me to the other side. <laughs> um, you know, it's like... <laughs> is that classic thing of, you know, our pain is our power. Like speaking was one of the scariest things for me throughout my whole growing up. So now it's to be able to speak and to be able to stand up and speak my truth and share my story. It, it really is a superpower. It's a huge transformation. So that was that. But my, my self-development journey didn't really get started till I was at uni. And I accidentally fell into doing an assignment on self-worth and self-esteem which funnily enough was connected to social media, which wasn't that big at the time because this was like 10, 11 years ago. So I fell into that and I started reading this book called The Eight Pillars of Self-Esteem by Nathaniel Brandon. And it was so weird because as I was reading this book, it's like I was having my own therapy session. Like I was reading it and I was like, oh, that's why I'm not confident. That's why, you know, I'm experiencing this anxiety. And it was just kind of this process of really revealing a lot of these layers that were really holding me back. And so that just kickstarted this huge personal development journey. Um, and then since then, I enrolled in several certifications like energy psychology and meditation, energy healing, uh, holistic counseling, amongst some others. Yeah. And all of that really prepared me for a spiritual awakening that I had a couple of years ago. Um, so I suppose you could say this was my big kind of turnaround. This was my big slap in the face. It was a crazy experience. It was so messy. Uh, it lasted for about a year and a half. Um, just a lot of deep depression. I uh, really went into the depths of my darkness. I had to do so much self-healing and self-work. And so a lot of what I share today with my clients and in my keynotes is, is really what I learned throughout that process. Yeah, beautiful. And two things that I just wanted to ask. Firstly, could you dive into what energy psychology is a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Just for those who might not have the term. Yeah. So the actual definition, if you were to Google it, um, would be a mind and body methodology to improve human functioning. So that's kind of like the actual term. But what it is really is it's using the mind and the body as an approach for healing. So have you heard of tapping or emotional freedom? Yeah. 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 So that's a form of energy yeah. psychology. It's really rooted in the quantum realm. So it's really rooted in quantum physics and the idea that we live in a holographic universe. So that's kind of the premise of it. Yeah, it's, it's really, really, really amazing. And there's so many different forms of energy psychology that you can do. But I find in my experience that it just gives you that deeper transformation rather than just going through the mental plane, you know, touching on the emotions and the, the body as well, uh, which is the unconscious mind. It's just a beautiful way to get that holistic transformation. 
Yeah, beautiful. And something else that I noticed you said is that throughout that kind of spiritual awakening, you experienced, I think you said like a year and a half of like quite deep, dark depression. And I'd love to, if you could bring some light to to what that looked like and why it looked that way. Um, You know, I have had some form of a spiritual awakening myself and you know have had both clients and friends go through that process as well and it seems to be that of quite a dark one at the beginning can you share a little bit around I guess what your perception is on that and why you feel like we kind of go down that path first before then being able to reflect back and kind of piece things together a little bit in in a bit more of a lighter sense so to speak Absolutely. And I think this is so important to talk about because from my experience and my understanding is that when we go through a spiritual awakening, the reason that we go and experience states like depression and heightened anxiety is because we've been socialized into a culture that doesn't allow us to look at our darkness, right? So each and every one of us has a shadow, which I'm sure you've heard from, you know, in psychology, Carl Jung, um, who coined the term the shadow. And this is basically where normally, like predominantly between the ages of zero to seven years old is when our belief blueprint is formed. So the way that we see the world, the way that we filter the world, the way that we operate in the world is pretty much formed between the ages of zero to seven years old. And then anything from then onwards is more like a snowball effect. So we just keep aligning with evidence to affirm those beliefs that we created during that time. Now, what happens is we are born into a culture that rather than seeing us as like a flower bud that just needs a little bit of nurturing, a little bit of sunlight, a little bit of encouragement to grow and to bloom, we're born into a culture where we're seen as something that needs to be molded. So our parents, our caregivers, our school systems, our peers, they really try and impose their their beliefs on us, telling us what's right and what's wrong. Now, when we're babies, we're actually relationally dependent beings. So we fully depend on our caregivers for our survival. And so this means that if we have any character traits or any qualities that could threaten our acceptance by our caregivers and maybe these traits that wouldn't be loved or approved of by our caregivers, we actually reject, disown, and suppress those parts of ourselves. And this is what goes into the shadow, the human shadow. So these are the parts of ourselves that are deep in our unconscious mind. So we're not consciously aware of them, but they are very active playing out in our day-to-day life. And you'll find this often in our relationships, is relationships, we're often attracted to other people based on our shadow, based on a trait that is already within us, but it's so deeply suppressed that we can't access it, but we see it in them. So we become attracted to that. It's almost like we feel that this person will complete us, right? Because that part is already fragmented within us. So this is what happens when we go through a spiritual awakening is we're actually opened up to all of this shadow, all of our darkness. And it's not that our shadow is a bad thing whatsoever. We're all human. Like we're all here to experience, you know, the totality of who we are, which includes anger, frustration, sadness. It includes the happiness, joy, elation. It includes everything. But growing up, so many of us were shamed for feeling these negative emotions or expressing those negative emotions. Or, you know, a lot of us were shamed for um, expressing other qualities that we had that weren't approved of by our environment. So 
when we go through this spiritual awakening, it's just like we're cracked open and everything comes to the surface and we start to see and feel and experience all of these shadow aspects of ourselves that we've actually been hiding from our whole lives. So I like to think that depression is suppression. Depression is suppression. It's something that is a temporary experience, which is so important to know because a lot of people that experience depression, you know, they claim it as part of their identity. Anything that comes under the, or sorry, after the words I am or I have, then becomes part of your identity. It becomes embedded in your ego. So if you say I have depression or I am depressed, then that's actually, you're making that as part of your identity, which means it's harder to shift out of. So when I was going through my depression, I just said to myself, depression is suppression. This is stuff that I was so afraid to look at and so afraid to express and release throughout my whole life that it feels really dark. It feels really strong and it feels really horrible. But I know that this is just a temporary experience, like everything in life. It's all temporary. So I just kept telling myself that this will pass. I don't have depression. I'm not depressed. I'm just simply experiencing depression at this time in my life as a tool for my own expansion. So I can look at those parts of myself that I rejected. I can bring them to the surface. I can reintegrate them and I can evolve as a person. Wow. I feel like that was the most, just what's the word I'm looking for? It just seems like the most easy to digest understanding of that and I feel like that in itself would support so many people I know I've been through you know phases in my own you know personal journey where I've definitely felt like really like I was really in it Mm. and sometimes you know without having that higher knowledge of, of what it is I know that feeling of being in it and you feel like you're never getting out of it and you feel like what's wrong, this isn't, especially when it's not circumstantial and you're going, what is wrong? Like why I have no idea what to do. And um, I think for the majority of people, I mean, there's so much more information out there now, but this information isn't that, it's not even that it's not that available. It's definitely available, but your access to it may be limited depending upon what you choose to, or what information or who you choose to kind of expose yourself to, which I think is a really big, really big piece. And I think what you kind of touched on is like breaking out of the acceptance. And one thing that I feel that I'm witnessing a lot in society more than I ever have mind you I've you know been in this work for about three and a half years or just kind of over now and I feel like last year and this year it has just been something that more people are even just open to considering but seem to be you know quote-unquote like waking up so to speak why do you think that's all come to why do you think that's coming about now what is it I mean apart from the obvious (laughs) obvious <laughs> what is it that you feel like is really really to light um, yeah. for so many people and why do you think so many people at the moment are so committed to to seeing this through and and to being open to more than just this 3d reality absolutely yeah so this depends how deep we want to go I could explain this from more of an esoteric perspective <laughs> So I could explain this from a more esoteric perspective or more from like a third dimensional human perspective. I'll just say that if you kind of, because I'm very into like evolutionary astrology. Now I don't study it, but I know roughly what has happened 
over generations and generations to get us to this point energetically. So a lot of it is just honestly, the energy is shifting, the planets are shifting. And what we're experiencing right now is actually just another cycle. So cycles, if you look back in history, there's cycles that just continually repeat themselves. And they get to this kind of peak where there's a break that needs to happen. There's a breakdown that needs to happen in order for us to break through. So this is just simply another cycle that we're experiencing. We've had quite a few years of, you know, not not reaching this kind of intensity in humanity. Um, so that's that's an energetic thing. That's an astrological thing. And you can look at this if you if you're into investing and you read a lot of investing books, they base it on evolutionary astrology, because when the planets shift and the energy shifts, that's when we'll notice recessions, that's when we'll notice spikes in the stocks, etc. So that's something I definitely urge your audience to go and research into, um, if they're interested in that. From a different perspective, what's happening at the moment is, it is like a collective awakening. It's almost like, all of us are doing parts integration. So, you know, I said to you before that, you know, when we're younger, if we reject and suppress these parts of ourselves, these qualities that aren't accepted by our environment, they get put into the shadow. Now, when they're in the shadow, that's what we call parts. So it's just these parts of ourselves that um, we don't feel whole, right? That's why we call them parts. They're like fragmentations within our consciousness. Now, this is what's happening at a collective scale is the corruption and the disruption that's happening all around us in our environment is actually highlighting and illuminating the destruction and the corruption that's already within us. So what I would say as we navigate these really turbulent times is to really look at, okay, how is my external environment? How is my external situation triggering me right now? How is that making me feel deep down? What emotions are present as I feel that? And honestly, the key to self-help is to be an objective witness. So it's not to go like you have to feel your feelings. You have to feel your feelings. Otherwise, you're just suppressing them even more. And it just creates this energetic baggage. But you have to be able to cultivate an inner witness so you can actually be objective of your experience rather than being in it, if that makes sense. And to kind of. Oh, yeah, completely. <laughs> So to touch on what you just said before as well about depression, one thing that's really important for anyone to know who might be experiencing at the moment is that you are not broken (laughs) and there is no need to be fixed. Mm -hmm. And that probably sounds very like controversial, but when you're in that depressive state, when you're in that heightened emotional state, you feel like there's something wrong with you. You feel like you're broken and you also feel like no one else understands. It's like you're going in it you know, going through it just by yourself. So I would just suggest to people to not be fully, don't get stuck in the emotions. Know that this is a temporary experience. Know that you're being triggered so you can look at those parts of yourself that you've rejected for years. Know that you're being triggered so that you can actually bring light into the darkness. You know, without the darkness, we wouldn't see the stars. (laughs) So we need both parts of ourselves. And just to know that yeah, you're not broken. We actually, I feel like we come together more in our brokenness, in our feeling of brokenness and our feeling of uh, not belonging and being confused than we do in our normal outside day-to-day worlds. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, that makes 
total sense. And I love that you you shared that. I actually did a um, masterclass yesterday, I think it was, on, you know, really um, helping women. Like it was just a free masterclass, but just helping women to understand what within them is being so triggered in their external reality. Because I think that so many of us, most people are having a very you know, even you and I probably would have different perceptions on what's at play at the moment, right? And so there may be kind of different um, triggers, so to speak, for even for even you and I. And one thing that I really went into is just really helping them to understand, like, for as long as the uh, emotional trigger comes from someone or something or a situation or a circumstance or an event external from you, then you're ultimately, like, leaving your buttons on the table, And rather than like what you said, like being objective and inquiring what within me actually is that like what within me is actually being triggered? What is that emotion? How can I explore that? And I know for myself is like being objective when I look at different parts of myself has been probably one of the most simplistic, simplistic, sorry, tools, but the most effective tools to be able to actually grow because I can look at both sides of it neutrally. And I think once I really understood polarity and really like Dr. Martini, his work really helped me to understand, yeah, polarity. And that's something that I have found has absolutely made me less, completely less reactive and learning to self-regulate and be like, oh, what is this bringing up with within me? And, and this is an awesome opportunity, I think, for all of us at the moment that we get to have a look into that and and explore what that means for mm-hmm. us. And, you know, for a lot of people I've witnessed, it's not necessarily about the single event that's happening, you know, in, in 2021, it's triggering a whole bunch of other things that have been underlining there and ultimately suppressed. And I know that you and I briefly spoke on how Mm -hmm. suppressed emotion manifests in the body. And I think that I understood this for, for a couple of years, but I think you know, and I'm sure you've understood it for many more than I have, but I feel like it's only being considered, I don't know, from from my kind of limited understanding, mind you, it's really only being really considered as something that people take quite seriously now of how emotion manifests into, into the body. And I know for me that anything that happens, whether it's in my body or in my life, I'm like, okay, what part, like what within me attracted this? And I think I know that you'd be able to kind of beautifully articulate how, you know, very kind of in in, in short how maybe quantum physics works just at the most basic form of, you know, our frequency is always attracting a like frequency. So whether that is consciously or unconsciously and how that's manifesting you know, both illness in the body that we're seeing a lot, but also like beyond illness, it's manifesting situations and circumstances into our life. Um, and I know for me, that's been the most confronting yet liberating thing to understand also. But I know there's a couple of pieces there. Would you mind touching on, I guess, your perspective on that? Yeah, absolutely. So this the most simplistic way to view it, which is my understanding of it, is that we live in a vibrational universe. So we literally live in an ocean of motion. Everything we see, everything we touch, everything we experience is simply energy, which is information that moves. 
So what happens um, on a physical level when we get ill? And this is such, such a powerful thing to understand and something that I'm really hoping to see roll out more in the mainstream medical space for years to come. Not sure how quick that will happen because obviously they get profit um, through people being ill. But um, it just blows my mind how, you know, doctors and physios and chiropractors still haven't fully jumped on board with this yet because we aren't just physical beings. We are also emotional beings. We are also mental beings. We live on all dimensions of being. So if we do have a physical ailment, then we can't just address the physical symptoms. We must also look at the emotional and mental root cause of it. And with every physical ailment that we experience, there is an emotional mental root cause. So this is something that I actually got really fascinated with, I think probably in my early adulthood. Actually, this was at uni. This is the first time this came to light for me because I was going through a really hard time in my last year of uni, which is also the time when I kickstarted my self-development journey. But I was going through a really hard time where I was having conflict with this girl that I lived with. And every time I would come up against conflict, I would run away and go to my room. I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want to have an argument because I grew up in a, in a family that didn't argue. Now we come back to what we said at the beginning of the conversation about suppressing those parts of ourselves. I didn't feel like it was safe for me to express anger. So I wouldn't stand up for myself. Now I was actually, there was a group of us that went out for dinner one night and I was driving back. Luckily I had my friend Lucy in the car and I ended up fainting at the wheel. So she was able to take over. We're on a motorway, so it could have been really dangerous. So she took over, she woke me up and then we swapped seats and then drove home. But it really was a shock to my system. I was like, what could have caused me just to randomly faint? So that's the first time I went to go see a counselor. The counselor gave me some of the best advice that I've ever, ever heard. And as you said, it's normally the most simplistic things that are the most profound. So I told the counselor that I was having these issues with this girl and she was like, you're angry. She was like, you have so much built up anger in you and you're not releasing it. So it's coming out as anxiety and panic attacks. She was like, what you need to do is the next time this girl says something that pisses you off, tell her how much she's pissed you off. And I was like, really? Okay. So I went home from that session and I went home and she was there funnily enough, obviously it's not a coincidence. This is how it works, but she started coming up to me and shouting at me and saying this stuff. And I just shouted at her back. And I was like, you are really pissing me off right now. I didn't even say anything that bad but I just expressed my truth and she never bothered me again. And it was from that moment that I wasn't having this anxiety and these panic attacks and this fainting. And so I was like, okay, I get how emotions are so closely linked to the body. Now, since then, I've got a much more deeper understanding of it. So like I said, we live in a vibrational universe. So everything is energy, including our own body. Now, if there is a slower frequency, then that's more of a denser energy and it means that we can see it. So it's our tangible physical reality. That's the energy that's at a slower, denser frequency. If something is vibrating at a higher frequency, that means it's a quicker frequency. So we often can't see these frequencies with the human eye. This will be things like thoughts, ideas, feelings, emotions. We can't actually see them. So they're not tangible, but we know that they exist because we can sense them. Now, what happens is if we experience an emotion, which you can't see physically, it is a chemical reaction in the body, but we can't necessarily see it physically. So when we experience an emotion and we leave it unprocessed, 
then that high frequency that we can't see will then move from the emotional plane through the mental plane and through the physical plane. So when we get physical ailments, really what it is, is a limiting belief or an emotion that is unresolved. And so because our body is just this um, vibrating energy, what happens is that these, um, have you heard of the chakras? Okay. Yeah. yeah, So I call them energy centers, but so we have seven main energy centers running through our body from the base of our spine to the crown of our head. Now I won't go into this too much because I could talk for ages, but each of these energy centers basically was formed at a different stage of our adolescent development. So each of these energy centers actually holds different characteristics about our personality, our emotions, and our human development. You can almost see the energy centers or the chakras as like a different room in the house. So they're each set up for a different environment and a different purpose. Now, what happens is, say, for example, I experienced some trauma in a relationship. I have a breakup and I'm struggling to process the breakup and I'm still carrying that energy. If I don't allow myself to express those feelings and process what's happening and actually sit with my shit, sit what's going on, then that will cause a dissonance in my heart center because the heart center relates and corresponds to our relationships, the way we relate to ourselves and the way we relate to others. So this could show up as cardiac issues. This could show up as heart palpitations. This could show up as anxiety or chest issues. So that's just a really quick and brief example of how something that's emotional that isn't processed can actually manifest with the corresponding body part physically because it just creates this energetic dissonance. Um, So what we really want to achieve is energetic resonance, which is really where when we process these emotions and these limiting beliefs, we can bring our body back to health purely by dealing with that blocked energy that's causing that dissonance in the first place. Oh, I love this so much. And I can actually give two like examples, one even being yesterday, but um, about probably about three years ago, I I had a quite a um, bad separation. I came out of a DV relationship and I had a lot of kind of anger and resentment really held towards my, my then ex-partner. And so much so that I ended up kind of going, going to hospital because I had what I felt like was an ulcer in my stomach. It honestly felt like someone had like a screwdriver in my stomach. So I had to have a friend drive me to hospital and have my daughter stay with my family. And I remember the doctor asked me, and this is like one of the first times that I feel like I really was deeply exposed to this, where he he asked me, he's like, are you, are you feeling stressed about anything? And I was like, I don't know, like, I feel like everyone's stressed these days, you know, like what kind of response are you kind of wanting? And he said, okay, I'll be more specific. Are you feeling angry about anything or do you feel like you've got um, resentment towards anyone? I was like, oh yeah, he said. And he explained that to me so much around like how our solar plexus, um, you know, that that burning sensation, which I used to have so much. And that was kind of the first time I was really aware of it. And even, you know, yesterday I had like, you know, a conversation that absolutely needed to happen with my partner. And I was a bit annoyed by a couple of things. And I didn't really, I was a bit nervous, I guess, to bring it up. And I yesterday had really inflamed tonsils just out of nowhere. And I, of course, you know, looked up the reason 
behind that and it was just so spot on with you know swallowing your words and not speaking your truth and and being in like fear around something can it just and you know what I had the conversation last night and today I've woken up and it's completely fine so it's amazing how quickly that those symptoms can I guess move through us like you said it's just that energy in motion how quickly we can kind of heal when we actually fully allow ourselves to to really be in that emotion one thing that I think would be important to understand and if you've got any kind of tips on this that would be awesome but even for myself as an adult you know I it was I was 25 when I when I learned to emotionally regulate which I remember I had a lot of shame around that because for me, it didn't feel safe to be angry um, because, you know, in, in just for, for my household, like anger was came out in, you know, yelling and shouting. And, you know, I was like, I don't want to be that. So I'm just going to kind of keep this in. So even, you know, I've, I've learned kind of like primal screaming and like healthy raging and things like that. But even a couple of tips that you might have in terms of helping people to I guess, express those emotions and where to begin. Because I think for a lot of people, the thought of kind of taking themselves back into the emotional state of a time where they are, you know, I guess, volatile, emotionally volatile, is quite scary, especially when you feel like, what if I get stuck in that? And I think you can, I mean, if you're aware of it, I know that there's things called capped emotions. And those are the emotions that we often get kind of stuck in or addicted to a little bit because we don't actually go to the root of the emotion but even just sharing a little bit on I guess how to like where to begin when starting to process this emotion and do you feel that it's safest to be kind of working with somebody or to have support or what kind of capacity of support you know would that would be ideal for that person I suppose pending their situation of course Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. It's definitely a subjective experience. Some people will have such deeply rooted emotions that working with a practitioner that can hold a safe space for them will really benefit them to be able to feel safe, actually fully feeling what's happening. And if for anything, you know, for any reason that they were to go into what we call an ab reaction, so they actually start reliving that trauma that caused the emotion in the first place, then you would have that coach or practitioner to be able to navigate you through that. I do want to start off by saying, and this is something that I premise to my clients a lot before we go into a healing practice, is that if a memory or an emotion or some sort of trauma is resurfacing in your life, you're feeling a trigger that you've felt before in your childhood, if that's resurfacing, it's because it's ready to be resolved. And that's so important because the subconscious mind is very clever. So our subconscious mind stores every single memory that we've ever experienced. Now, obviously, we can't consciously be aware of every memory because we'd just be in overdrive. We wouldn't be able to function. So it actually filters what we need to know and what we don't. So a lot of um, when we get emotionally triggered by something and we react, it's actually often Um, you know, a memory from our past that's so deeply embedded in our subconscious that we don't know why we're reacting to that thing that someone said or why we feel pissed off or angry at that certain situation. But if that's coming up for you, what the subconscious mind does is it actually brings up these memories when it knows that you have the resources in order to face it. So if something is coming up for you, and this is so, so important, and one thing that really helped me go through my spiritual awakening and my depression is that if you're going through something, it's because you're ready to experience it. So 
there is, it's completely natural to feel some fear of, well, what if I feel this? And then I go back into my trauma or I go back into this, you know, ab reaction or whatever it might be, because you've spent so many years avoiding that pain, right? You spent so many years using coping mechanisms and distractions to be able to pull you out of that painful place. So it's completely valid to feel that way, but you have to know that if it's coming up, it's because you are ready to overcome that thing. And your subconscious mind knows that it knows that you have the wisdom, the intelligence and the safety in your external environment in order to process that. So that kind of leads me on nicely to my second point, which is safety. Safety is such a big thing with emotional expression. If we didn't feel safe to express when we were children, then we won't feel safe to express when we're adults. So again, that's when working with a coach can really help just to kind of probe you a little bit to to open up and to express. And sometimes expressing to a stranger is easier than someone you know. But safety is the main thing. So if you're going to start to feel your feelings by yourself and you feel you feel like you're okay to give that a go, depending on your level of trauma, then I would recommend creating a very safe space in your environment. So like for me, I've got like a little um a little altar at home. So it's just like a small little I don't know what you call it. It's actually a coffee table, but I call it my altar. So it's like a little coffee table. Um, and I've got my candles there. I've got my crystals. I've got my incense and I've got a meditation cushion. And every single day I sit in that spot and I sit with my shit, whatever is there, whether it's uncomfortable or comfortable, I sit with it. And so I've created this almost um, this safe, energetic space. It's almost like every morning I enter this vortex where I get to remember who I really am. In order for me to do that, I need to also witness all of these layers and emotional and energetic debris, which is stopping my true self from shining through. So I would say work with a coach. I would say create a safe space at home if that's how you want to do it. And I would say cultivate that inner witness. Know that you aren't your emotions. You aren't your thoughts. You aren't your pain. You are actually the awareness of your thoughts, your emotions, and your pain. And this is where it's important to decipher between the voice of our ego and the voice of what I call our essential self, which is our true nature. It's our spiritual self because our ego will do whatever it can to avoid pain. So because so many of us are living with our ego in the driver's seat, we actually sit there and it's like impossible to witness our thoughts or our emotions because we're just so deeply embedded in it, which goes into what I was saying earlier about when you identify with certain things. So it does take practice to be able to be that inner witness. It takes resilience to sit there and to be like, okay, I'm feeling the sadness. Okay. Where am I feeling it in my body? I'm feeling it in my chest. Okay. What's, what's the color? It's green. What's the emotion? It's anger. Okay. And I'm just going to sit with that and I'm just going to breathe into it, allow it to exist without needing to change it without judging it and without resisting it. Because what people will start to see is that we've resisted feeling these emotions for so long that actually just allowing them to exist, giving them space to just breathe and to come up and out of our body is all we need to do to be able to shift this emotion. So that's a really powerful exercise for people to start. <laughs> oh, I love that. And if you could, I think like well, one thing that I've witnessed, for instance, and I'm sure other people can reflect very quickly and witness as well, is that I, whenever I kind of have what I've noticed as a, a pattern in my life where I'm like, I feel like I've 
had an encounter like this before. I feel like I've, you know, been through this kind of cycle before. One thing that I have really found is that we continue to almost create our patterns Mm -hmm. and our cycles until what it is that needs to be healed or learnt, you know, is really healed and learnt. And when we get these opportunities all the time, except for, I guess, the majority of people, unfortunately, I see it, it comes back to almost just a projection as like why they have not done anything and they have no idea why this is happening. And rather than taking that kind of self-responsibility and being like, okay, what is this trying to teach me? <laughs> what? Yeah. Um, like, why am I being shown this? Because there's something in it. So mm-hmm. could you touch a little bit on that? I know in my life, sometimes I've had to have the lesson, you know, I had one lesson over seven years, which was huge. And I really got the lesson after seven years, which was amazing because I also was like, right, I see what happened there. Mm-hmm. I really don't want to be in another seven year cycle yeah. or a seven year pattern, so to speak. Can you talk into it a little bit? Yeah. And honestly, I'm so happy you brought this up because this is just, I see people experience this a lot and they complain and they're like, why do I keep finding myself here? Why me? Why can't this change? And it does come down to self-responsibility. It's like, I see so many female clients that have been dating the same man, but with a different face time and time and time again. And it's like, they break up with someone and they're like, okay, the next person's going to be different. And it's like, well, have you changed? Have you looked at your shit? Have you done the inner work? Because that's the only way that you're going to be attracting someone different. Because we know that our external world is a reflection of our inner world. So going back to what I said at the beginning of all these fragmented, disowned parts within ourselves, what happens is the parts of our shadow are then projected, like you just said, projection, we project our shadow parts onto the people around us. So our husband or our best friend or our mum will be reflecting back to us what we're ready to look at within ourselves. And this is the biggest thing I find that trips people up in relationships is that they don't take responsibility and they blame that other person. They say, well, you said this or you did this. And it's like, if it's your feeling, it's your shit to deal with. If you're triggered, it's you you need to look at. They might have said something or done something to bring this up within you, but that's actually a blessing. It's a gift that they've been able to, you know, give you that opportunity to heal something within yourself. And so rather than going straight to playing the blame game and being like, well, you said this and you did this, it's like, how can I take a second, acknowledge how I'm feeling, whether it's anger, sadness, whatever, acknowledge and validate that it's okay to feel that way and then check in with myself. Where have I felt this previously in my life? What do I make this mean to me? That person, what they said, how have I made that mean something to me? Because normally it's not the other person's intention to piss you off or to upset you. Sometimes it is, right? Sometimes there are narcissists and things like that, but often it's actually, <laughs> you're like, yeah, I've experienced that. But more often than not, <laughs> it's actually just that their intention wasn't to hurt you, but that's how you've perceived it. Everything is about perception. Everything in this reality is actually neutral. There is no good or bad. Good or bad doesn't exist. Right or wrong doesn't exist. Everything is neutral because everything is energy. But as humans, we put meaning 
towards things because we operate, our brain operates in stories. So we have to put meaning to something in order to perceive it and understand it. And so that's all it is, is that people will perceive something in a certain way, which triggers them because they feel like it, you know, it, it triggers that belief, that limiting belief that they've had. And it's not actually anything to do with that other, that other person. Now I have, um, I've created this thing called the personal power triangle, which is the three P's to claim your personal power. And the first one is self-responsibility. Because if you're continually going through your life, blaming people for how you feel, you're giving your power away. You're literally giving your energy away. It's leaking out to things where you could be putting that energy into creation or execution, something that really matters. So the first one is self-responsibility. The second one is (laughs) self-regulation. So you're pretty much already on the money with this, with this triangle. And again, the self-regulation comes down to what practices and techniques and tools can you put in place to make sure that you come from a responsive place, not a reactive place. Because when we react, we give our power away, right? And also when we react, we can also rob ourselves from the opportunity of fully feeling that feeling and also using that feeling as fuel to move us forward. And what I mean by that as an example, I'll give an example like anger, for example, because I know you struggle to express anger when you were younger. I also struggled to express anger when I was younger. So anger is commonly seen as a negative emotion, but it's actually one of the most creative energies that runs to us and through us. Because anger, if we feel anger, it normally indicates that there's been a crossing of boundaries. And if that's the case, then it means that we can really initiate change. We can experience that contrast, acknowledge that contrast and be like, okay, this now experiencing what I don't want and it's really pissing me off is allowing me to create what I do want. So how can I use this anger for fuel to move me forward rather than always seeing like anger and frustration, things like that as a negative, bad experience. So self-regulation, super, super important. And then the third one in the personal power triangle is self-fluidity. And this is so powerful. And this is actually the the trait that I feel people are being tested with the most right now. Sorry, when I say self-fluidity, what I mean is the ability to be fluid in our identity and our opportunity. So often we become so attached to aspects of our identity or so attached to things in our environment, so attached to people that it actually keeps us locked in our past. So we have these dreams, we have these desires, we have these goals that we want to reach. But if we stay attached to our past, then we're fitting into our past rather than fitting into our future. So to be self-fluid means that you have a strong sense of self, but you're not so set and anchored in your identity that it stops you from evolving into who you have the potential to become. And so that just really comes down to releasing our attachments to things, releasing our judgments to things, being more open being able to receive, receive insights, downloads, opportunities, support from people. Because when we remain open and fluid, the universe shows us the next step, right? It's like a forever unfolding. It lays it out in front of us. But if we're so attached to our past and who we used to be, because most of us, sorry, I'm going off on a tangent here, but most of us are operating as an adult in the same identity that we were when we were a child. And so it's not going to serve us. We're not going to be able to reach our goals. We're going to always feel like we're swimming upstream. So that's where we need to look at ourselves and be like, okay, what parts of my identity don't actually serve me that I'm holding on to? 
which people am I holding on to that it would actually serve me to let go of that energetic baggage, that emotional baggage, so that I can actually move on and be open to someone new coming through or a new opportunity. And for me, this has been one of the most powerful things in business is to remain fluid. Because sometimes we'll start an idea, we'll start a project and we'll be like, right, this is it. This is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, you know? And we get so into it and so excited. And then maybe new opportunities will come and new things will come. And sometimes we can miss those opportunities and miss the ideas that would take our business to its next evolution. Because we're so set in, I have to be in this box and I have to do this particular thing. So yeah, that was a massive tangent. I can't remember the question. <laughs> no, that was that was perfect. Honestly, I think that that covered more than I even asked within that question. So that's perfect. And that kind of leads me on to, you know, something that you and I had a conversation about last week with like how this kind of new paradigm shift is playing mm-hmm. out in business, you know, particularly mm-hmm. or women in business and how this is, you know, translating there. What do you think is, I mean, we're already seeing a huge shift in the way that women do business and it kind of seemed that if you wanted to run a business, like that hustle, hustle, hustle mentality seemed like it was the only way that you were going to reach quote unquote success in your business. And now we're almost seeing like almost a collapse Mm -hmm. of that. And there's so much information out there now about like making sure that you're in flow and, 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 you know. I sometimes I my perception of this sometimes can be these kind of throw off comments like there's not much context to them so I'm almost witnessing also you know the working women in business I'm all like I'm witnessing women try to be in flow in business mm-hmm. but there's not much context to it so there's almost like this do I do nothing and wait for the clients to come you know do I just really just my offer out there and then overnight like everything's just going to work out for me I mean what's your interpretation of I guess this new paradigm more specifically for women in business even men too I I assume Mm, and this is just such an interesting hot topic at the moment so we're going through a shift in feminine consciousness now as you know each and every one of us have both masculine and feminine energies because we were conceived in both the male and the female So both of those exist within us. Now, predominantly, the masculine energy is the energy that we would exhibit in business. The masculine energy is the consistency, the discipline, the taking action, the willpower, the self-esteem. Feminine energy, the qualities are flow and surrender and receiving and creativity and adventure and, you know, all of those beautiful things. So I find that most women in business actually get into it because they're operating in in that masculine energy predominantly. And this is after generations and generations of women being oppressed and a lot of us having this wounded feminine, not just in women, but in men as well, you know, and you can see this through the fact that we're coming out of this emotional dark age being able to express your emotions is a feminine quality because it's surrender, it's expression, it's creativity. So we're going through the shift in feminine consciousness, which is affecting both men and women in business. And the thing that is interesting, it's, it's a very hard dynamic, honestly, to, to balance. When you are a woman in business, it is hard to balance it, but it's absolutely not impossible. So 
when we say flow, I feel like there's this, there needs to be this openness in business. There needs to be this openness to receive. So that's receiving from spirit, whether it's downloads, insights, ideas. And there also needs to be this openness to receive support from that masculine energy. So be able to say, look, I really need help with this. Can you help me? I find that sometimes women who are predominantly in their masculine and they're operating in business, they struggle to let support and help in from others because they feel independent. They feel like they can do it themselves. And although that's, you know, a good quality to have, it's a good outlook to operate from. It can also be very detrimental because it goes against our natural energy. Now, I just want to say this before moving on is that if we've chosen to incarnate into a female body in this lifetime, then we've also chosen to experience feminine energy in its fullest expression. So I like to say to people that ideally we want to have a 50-50 balance, a 50-50 inner union of the masculine and the feminine. That shows that we can show up in business and we can execute that discipline and that consistency and that action taking. But we can also, you know, be in our flow, be in our surrender, our receivership, our mothering energy, our nurturing energy. But when it comes to expressing that externally on the outside, we want to have a 70-30 dynamic. So 70% in our femme, 30% in our masculine. And this is mainly because of romantic relationships. It is so hard, and I don't know if you've experienced this, Mm. it's so hard for a woman to be running a business so she's in her masculine and then to also attract uh, a masculine man, right? Because for sexual attraction to take place, there has to be polarity. There has to be one more in their feminine, one more in their masculine. Now that could be the other way around. So it could be a man more in his feminine and a woman more in her masculine. However, what I found working with clients and through studying and experiencing this is that deep down all women actually want that masculine energy. They want to be held. They want to be supported. They want to be protected. And as long as we stay in that masculine energy, we're not going to be able to attract a masculine man. So we keep attracting feminine men. And then we question why they're not showing up for us how we want them to and why they're not protecting us and taking action and all of these things that we actually really want. So that means that as women, we must be able to find the balance between being in our masculine and then being able to drop into our femme. And the way that I think there's a couple of things that I'll share that I think will really, will really help your audience is structuring your days. So, you know, okay, from nine till two or nine till three, I'm in my masculine, I'm working, I'm doing my thing, I'm executing, whatever. From three o'clock till 8pm at night, I'm in my feminine, that's my family time, that's when I can actually drop into my surrender, drop into my receivership. I can nurture however you want to nurture your man or your family. Now you can use certain tools to actually transition you into your feminine. So one of the best things for women to do to activate their feminine is movement. So dance, free flow, that activates our our central aliveness. It activates our, the energy that we have in our hips and it allows us to be that adventurous wild energy that we actually are at our core. So I would almost suggest for women to finish their work day and then maybe put on some music, use that transition time to kind of put you in that flow, identify for you what it feels like to be in your feminine, whether you are a mother, whether you are, you know, a wife or whether you have more of a dark goddess energy or you have more of an innocent, 
you know, girl energy, whatever your feminine is, however she wants to be expressed and show up, identify what that looks like, what she feels like, and then use certain tools like movement or even going into nature or using things like incense and candles that really kind of activate our central body to enable you to transition into that state so that you can actually surrender and exhale into that masculine energy, whether it's your partner or whether you want to call in a partner. So it's hard in business, but what we're also seeing from like a different perspective is that business is also shifting. So, you know, it used to be very much transactional. So I'm going to create a product or a service that meets your need and in exchange I get money. So it's very transactional. But now we're seeing this call and this want for something deeper, something more, a way to show up and serve that is not just transactional, but it's actually helping the greater collective, right? So I'm sure you've heard of the triple bottom line. This is just a beautiful example of how businesses are, you know, introducing that people, planet and profit triple bottom line um, philosophy so that it's more about also the wider collective and the community. It's not just about me and my consumer. So there's actually a lot more intimacy that's coming through in business. There's a lot more community that's coming through in business. And naturally, as we go through this pandemic and people are being opened and and cracked open to speak more about emotional mental health, there's also this vulnerability that's really coming through and people are surrendering into that. And we can see in, you know, large corporations as well as small businesses, they're putting these things in place to be able to open the space for people to be vulnerable, both men and women, and they can talk about their emotions, talk about their mental health. That's all very much feminine energy. So even without us consciously realizing this pandemic is helping that shift in feminine consciousness, which is naturally changing the course of business and how we show up in business. Now, one thing else that I do also want to mention is When it comes to flow in business, I feel like it's so subjective to the person. So you have to find your own flow. Now, I always recommend to every client, especially if I do um, like a business consultation with them, I say to them, do you know your human design? Because when you know your human design, when you know your astrological birth chart, um, and there are other things, there are other ways to do it as well, it actually gives you your energetics template. So you get to understand how you can actually show up and operate that's in flow with your essential nature. And the reason that this is so important for me, for example, I spent so many years hustling. I was like, go, 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 go. I actually thrived in really highly stressful environments. So I always found myself in jobs that were so stressful and I didn't just finish, you know, when it clocked off at six, I would keep working and working and working but I would be so exhausted to go and see anyone or speak to anyone or socialize. And it was just, there was no balance in my life. And since doing my human design, I've realized I'm a projector. So as a projector, we actually need a lot more rest than other human design types. So we actually need to um, invite other people to us. So it's kind of like as a projector, we do a little bit of work and then we sit back and we allow people to come and we just magnetize that energy towards us. So I need a lot more rest than other people. But my partner, John, who obviously, you know, he's a manifesting generator. That's his human design. And manifesting generators actually need to be on the go all the time. They need to hustle from morning through to evening. So 
that could be your flow, right? So what I do in my business, (laughs) what I do in my business is I make sure that I work with my central nature. So I work with that flow. I know that if I just work all day and all night and I'm just hustle, 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 I, I reach burnout, I get overwhelmed very easily and I just don't want to see anyone. So I know that I have to, if I've got like a busy couple of days coming up, I know that I will schedule in time for rest and play because I know that I can't go throughout the whole day. I need to have that rest time. (laughs) I, um, as a manifesting generator, can resonate so much with how you explained, you know, your partner, John. For me, I will work usually about like 9 or 9.30 till about 4 or 4.30. And then my downtime or what I consider downtime is usually used for personal study um you know like if I'm you know starting to get my daughter ready for bed and like the nighttime routine cooking dinner whatever I will almost always be listening to a course that I'm doing a podcast like a YouTube video something where I'm feel like I'm still being productive because just doing dinner by itself I'm like it's not that I feel like it's a waste of time, maybe a wasted opportunity for what I could learn. Mind you, by the time my head hits the pillow, though, there is nothing left in the bank. <laughs> One thing that I've implemented into my business, which I think has had a massive effect, is I make sure I do what nurtures me. So I have created a nurture list. So I know the things, the activities and the experiences that I need to do to actually fill up my own cup. Because I always say to people, we want our own cup to be full and then we serve from the overflow. So what I've implemented in my business is things like being in nature, exercising, playing with animals, like reading books, like these things actually charge me up so much. They put me in that feminine energy that that in itself is magnetizing. So you'll see some business owners that are just go, go, go all the time. And then they might wonder why they're not attracting aligned clients. But if you're not actually embodying that energy that your clients are going to be attracted to, then you will not attract those clients. So I know that if I am in my feminine energy and I'm in my flow and I'm in my power and I am energized, then the clients just flow in. There's no issue with it because that's the energy that I've cultivated and therefore that's the energy that I'm broadcasting. And so that's the energy that I'm aligning with. So I do think one thing for business owners is to, Make sure that whatever nurtures you and fills up your own cup to put you in that energetic state of power to attract your aligned clients, you need to make time for that. And that can be a way to integrate that flow. You know, if you, because I know what it feels like when you run your own business and you feel like there's always something else to do. There's always something more to do. So I actually schedule in that time. And I actually did it this week, just gone. So I took Sunday and Monday off doing any work and I actually just listened to my body and I was like, I just want to have a bath. I want to go out in nature. I want to go for breakfast with John and I just want to relax, watch TV and just do nothing like mentally just completely switch off. And that was the most powerful thing I could do because I've got quite a busy week this week. So I know that I need to cultivate that energy. And the way that I'm showing up now is completely different to how I felt Sunday morning, just because I've honored what I need to do to nurture myself. 
Yeah, I love that so much. I even had, you know, one of my mentors, you know, suggest something for me because I really like when I learn, I feel when I learn new information, I that makes me feel full because I feel so inspired that like I love that feeling of inspiration. And for me, when I learn something new, it really like I'm like, oh, my gosh, I just like can't wait to just understand this more and integrate it. And that's kind of my thing. And so last week, uh, the week before last, sorry, I was feeling like again, like there's just so much to do. And I really was kind of skimming down on on time, having fun and doing those things that brought more joy. It just felt like a lot of work. And, you know, sometimes business, there is more work to be done than others. And so for anyone who is maybe in that position, something that one of my coaches offered to me, and she was like, why don't you create the next schedule of your week? Right write down what it is that you love to kind of indulge in that gives you that joyful, free feeling and make sure that you schedule that in before and after work, whatever that looks like. So for me, like looking at a black and white, you know, screen of a calendar that doesn't excite me because I have to look at it so often. So I actually got a, a physical you know, planner and like just did it in all these beautiful bright colors and, you know, just something that I like, and as crazy as it sounds, like I have to sometimes schedule in things, like you said, like dance, or for me, it's like, it's baking or having a picnic with my daughter, just so that I know within myself, right, four o'clock comes and that's my deadline. Whatever hasn't been done then, it can always wait till tomorrow, most most um, tasks. And so allowing myself to spend, like you said, like that time to be in your feminine flow or, or be in that like really free, joyful place allows you to then kind of go to sleep and then wake up and, and you're, you're revitalized almost because you really have met your own needs in that respect. So I know it's so simple, but even just creating like what I, like what I consider just like fun tasking, I was like, this is so enjoyable. Like, why did I think that I'm sometimes married to this yeah. work and I just have to keep going and keep going and keep yeah. going? And again, you know, we ebb and flow in business, but even that kind of thing helped me so much something so simple Mm -hmm. absolutely and it's it's so necessary and it's so important and I think if there is anyone listening that feels like they're go 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 all the time and they don't feel fully fulfilled they feel like they're reaching burnout you need to ask yourself why am I doing this why am I running my business like what is the feeling state that I am desiring is it freedom is it creation is it love like bring yourself back to that feeling state and find where in your schedule you can put yourself in that feeling state already. So if it's freedom that you're desiring through running your own business, where can you already find freedom within yourself, freedom within your day? How can you be grateful for the freedom that already exists so that it puts you in that vibration? Because often we can become out of alignment because we're so caught in the doing that we forget the being. And especially for women, being is the feminine energy, right? Being comes first, then doing, then the having, rather than the other way around. Oh, I love that so much. I love that so much. And I think that that is, you know, such a beautiful place where we could leave this because I know that I've I've got you to touch on so many different things. And I'm so grateful that you took the time and, you know, time to really explain and dive into a couple of these different subjects. And I feel like there is so much value in here. Would you share with us all like what's coming up for you, how, like where people can find you, how they can get in contact with you and yeah, just the best place to, to kind of catch you. 
Yeah, absolutely. So what I'm doing at the moment is mainly working one-on-one. So we can, um, sorry, we can. So I'm doing breakthrough sessions uh, with people and also psychic readings. And people can come and hang out with me on Instagram, which is at Emma Zia, that's Z-I-A. Thank you so much, beautiful. It was so great to connect again with you. I really, really appreciate your time. So that wraps up today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. She is such a beautiful, beautiful woman. And of course, you can find in the show notes below all of Emma's social media links and all of her details. Uh, Also, if you're loving the new style, uh, new brand and vibe of the Ordinary to Extraordinary podcast, I would love your feedback and would be ever so grateful if you could review the podcast and let me know how you found it. What were those kind of gold nuggets or those moments, those aha moments? And when you review podcasts, you're actually telling the podcast algorithm, if you can call it that, (laughs) that this podcast is full of value and ultimately it will reach uh, other people out there who are like-minded who may also benefit from listening to these podcasts that I create for you guys and you know of course I love serving and I'm just so excited to be back into it I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did and I'll catch you in the next episode